Today, we embark on an exploration that revisits the wisdom of Edgar Allan Poe, one of the most influential figures in the world of verse, prose, and literary critique. So the guide in today's journey is a piece that grabbed my attention when I stumbled across revelations about the aesthetic movement, also known as the arts for art's sake movement. This piece is an essay by Poe called The Poetic Principle. Poe's essay called for the power of aesthetics in poetry, urging readers to immerse themselves in the sheer beauty of language, rhythm, and form. So the urgency in this essay is almost like an intoxicating brushstroke of emotion and imagery. But we are not here to simply admire and awe. Poe's arguments, which again, were heavily inspired by the aesthetic movement of the 19th century, brought many questions in my mind that I could not brush off. So beneath the veneer of beauty lies a dilemma that continues to resonate with the pulse of modern culture. In the age of visuals and appearances, that often takes center stage, we are compelled to ask, does unwavering devotion to aesthetics and and what we think is simply art put us contemporary consumers and creators at risk of continually becoming enhanced by superficiality and surface-level connection? In this episode, I invite you on this quest of conversation and analysts as we navigate the realms of objective versus subjective experiences. We will seek to understand the essence of the poetic principle and its significance in a world captivated by the allure of aesthetics, with a balance between the enchantment of beautification and the exploration of profound depth remains a contemporary challenge. Hi, I'm Elliot, and you just stepped into the captivating world of literaturology. So here we embark on a journey through the pages of iconic and intriguing literary works that have left a mark on our society. I can't express how thrilled I am to be sharing this moment with you. So today marks not only the beginning of an exciting new episode, but also the release of a deeply contemplated essay that I've been eager to share. It's a piece that examines the profound influence of Edgar Allan Poe and the timeless questions it raises about aesthetics in our modern world. I've poured my heart and soul into this episode, and I can't wait to explore the rich tapestry of Poe's philosophy with you. It's just, it's not only an analyst, it's a conversation, an exploration, and an invitation to reflect on the enduring power of aesthetics and literature and our lives. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Whether you're a devoted bookworm, a passionate writer, or someone simply seeking intellectual stimulation, you're in for a treat. So join me as we unravel the layers hidden within the pages of Poetic Principles. So some of you may have heard of Edgar Allan Poe thanks to his iconic tales like The Telltale Heart, The Raven, and The Mask of the Red Death. He's often associated with Gothic fiction and poetry in the contemporary age of literature. 
Much of his fictional works were influenced by his life, which was marked by many personal struggles. Today, we often delve into Poe's literature from macabre and mystery, which pioneered genres of horror and suspense. Even so, much to his credit, he revolutionized the modern short story with a focus on psychological depth and vivid imagination. However, during his time in the 19th century, he was known for his publications that were incredibly critical. Poe was an ordinate reader and spent most of his years fervently analyzing various literary works. But beyond his fictional endeavors came many critical essays, like the notable one we explore today. Poe's legacy continues to endure in popular culture. You might have seen adaptations and references in film, music, and television. His exploration of the human psyche, ability to create atmospheric tension, and during fascination with the dark aspects of human existence continue to captivate and inspire many, making him an influential and enduring figure in the world of literature and art. Along with the development of literature and the expansion of the dark romantic genre, Poe contributed his thoughts to a movement called the Aesthetic Movement. So the Aesthetic Movement was a cultural wave that swept through the 19th century. It was a celebration of beauty and a rebellion against the morality and utilitarian constraints of Victorian society. In the latter half of the century, artists, writers, and thinkers protested arts for art's sake, emphasizing the intrinsic value of beauty separate from didactic purposes, meaning tending to be preachy or teaching morality. At its core, the aesthetic movement sought to infuse everyday life with aesthetic pleasure, influencing not only the arts, but also fashion, interior design, and the appreciation of nature. If that sounds familiar to us, this movement exactly describes our culture today, especially in the age of social media and influencers. This movement gave birth to profound figures like Oscar Wilde, James McNeil, whose roles were pivotal in urging society to embrace the pursuits of beauty as a noble endeavor, rejecting the idea that art should serve a moral or educational function. They advocated for the autonomy of artistic expression, but the ecstatic movement with its influence extending into the realms of literature, visual arts, and design left an indelible mark on the cultural landscape at the time, challenging societal norms and fostering an appreciation for the exquisite and the ornamental and the sublime. So to help you better understand the aesthetic movement, think of the 2015 controversy of Sia's Elastic Heart music video featuring Maddie Ziegler and Shia LaBeouf. There were mainly two sides of the argument. One side spoke about the moral perception of a collaboration between Ziegler and LaBeouf, while the other side promoted the art for art's sake ideology by defending the collaboration and its artistic elements, including Sia and Ziegler themselves. So what is the poetic essay all about? The poetic principle, an essay penned by Edgar Allan Poe, dives into the essence of poetry and the elements that elevate it to a transcendent art form. 
Poe, known for his mastery of Gothic fiction and poetry, outlines his beliefs that the ultimate purpose of poetry is to evoke a profound emotional response. Here he says, it is to be hoped that the common sense in the time to come will prefer deciding upon a work of art rather by the oppression it makes, by the effect it produces, than by the time it took to impress the effect, or by the amount of sustained effort which had been found necessary in infecting the emotion. So he argues that the most impactful poetry achieves a unity of effort, where every element from language and rhythm to imagery and theme harmoniously contributes to a singular emotional impression. So through compelling insight, Poe challenges conventional notations of didactism and poetry, asserting that the highest form of art is free from moralizing and instead aims to stir the deepest recesses of the reader's soul. So Poe navigates the delicate balance between beauty and meaning, asserting that aesthetics play a major role in the emotional power of poetry. He explores the intricacies of how beauty and harmony in language contribute to the overall impact of a poem. But Poe's essay, A Timeless Exploration of the Nature of Artistic Expression, invites readers and listeners alike to contemplate the profound connection between form and emotion, challenging them to appreciate the intricate dance of words that define the very soul of poetry. However, it is essential to consider the potential pitfalls of an exclusive focus on beauty. In a world increasingly captivated by surface aesthetics and the allure of the visually pleasing, my argument invites us to critically examine whether an overemphasis on beauty may risk neglecting the depth and substance that art and literature can offer. So here I'll read you an excerpt I plucked out from Poe's essay itself. In regard to the Iliad, we have, if not positive proof, at least very good reason for believing and intended as a series of lyrics. But granting the epic intention, I can say only that the work is based in an imperfect sense of art. The modern epic is of the supposititious ancient model, but an inconsiderate and blindfold imitation. But the day of these artistic anomalies is over, if at any time any very long poem were popular in reality, which I doubt it is at least clear that no very long poem will ever be popular again. That the extent of the poetic work is Cetris Paribus, the measure of its merit, seems undoubtedly when we thus stated a proposition sufficiently absurd, yet we are indebted for it to the quarterly reviews. Surely there could be nothing in mere size, abstractly considered. There could be nothing in mere book, so far as a volume is considered, which has so continuously elicited admiration 
from these Satrine pamphlets. A mountain, to be sure, by the mere sentiment of physical magnitude which it conveys, does impress us with the sense of the sublime. No man is impressed after this fashion by the material grandeur of even the columbide. Even the quarterlies have not instructed us to be so impressed by it. As yet, they have not insisted on our estimating Lamar. Tying by the cubic foot, or Pollock by the pound, but what else are we to infer from their continual prating about sustained effort? If by sustained effort, any little gentleman has accomplished an epic, let us frankly commend him for the effort. If this indeed be a thing commendable, let us forbear praising the epic on the effort's account. It is to be hoped that common sense, in the time to come, will prefer deciding upon a work of art rather by the impression it makes, by the effect it produces, then by the time it took to impress the effect or by the amount of sustained effort which had been found necessary in infecting the impression. For context, Iliad is an ancient epic by Homer, who is known for writing another epic called Odyssey or The Odyssey, it follows the tale of the Trojan War and recounts certain imagery that contributed to the war between the Trojans and the Greeks. Using this context, Poe critiqued authors and poets for attempting to mimic the elemental success of a modern epic. He felt that creating long poems was impractical and lacked artistic merit. In fact, he went a step further and implied that the modern epic ideal is an inconsideration and blindfold imitation based on a dull or imperfect sense of art. So Poe challenged the notion that the extent of a poetic work is a measure of its merit, a proposition he believed was an attribute to the quarterly reviews. Context, the quarterly review was a periodical, aka a magazine, whose editorials were critical of literary works and political endeavors. The Gothic poets sarcastically noted how their reviews often seemed to admire size and bulk without considering the actual artistic value of a work. Poe introduces the idea that common sense should assess a work of art based on the impression it makes and the effect it produces rather than the time or sustained effort it took to create it. He distinguishes between perseverance and genius, asserting that the quarter lies cannot confuse the two. So while he acknowledges that some of his propositions may be condemned as falsities in the present, he anticipates that with time, they will be accepted as self-evident truths. In a world where appearances often take center stage, I advocate for substance. The enduring resonant of iconic works and their creators emerges from the profound depth and meaning they offer, creating a lasting impact that transcends fleeting trends. Take, for instance, the timeless allure of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, so while its gothic aesthetics is unmistakable, it's the exploration of suspense 
and human psychology that elevates it beyond mere visual appeal, securing its place in timeless literature. This dichotomy between aesthetic and substance persists in contemporary debates, such as the ongoing discussion surrounding musical artists like Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo. So aesthetically, both artists craft emotionally resonant songs, wielding beautiful voices that connect effortlessly with younger audiences. Yet, it is their unique approaches to storytelling, the substance embedded in their lyrics and dimension to the artist that honestly determines whether an artist like Taylor Swift or Olivia Rodrigo can truly outlast the lifespan of relevancy and trend. But Poe argues that the aesthetic of poetry have an emotional impact that simply reason and meaning cannot do, which I disagree to some extent. In his claims, such elements can create strong emotional connection with readers, making poetry accessible and relatable. However, the problem with this is that constantly going by what makes you feel instead of connecting with reality can affect one's morality and perceptions of the real world. So as said by Emmett McNone, a student of English literature in a Polis Media article, sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, um, it is about the unrealistic expectations of aestheticism and romanticism. There remains an underlying problem here. The significant gap between reality and social media is crystal clear to many. Yet social media users, particularly the younger generation, are struggling to see the disconnection. Apps like TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook have crept closer and closer to becoming a better version of reality. And in that, a tool for comparison of attractiveness, social life, and productivity. This is where romanticization becomes dangerous. Romanticizing other people's lives can lead you to try and improve or better present your own life. Romanticizing your own life can lead you to feel disillusioned with and even afraid of the mundane. So if someone permits themselves to practice what Poe argues, they could never truly connect with anything because the things that are impactful and good for you do not always invoke emotion, but revelation, wisdom, and inner growth. Artistic expression of words, values, opinions, and experiences contribute to the influential factor of a written piece or any work of art, like music, for example. When songwriters write from the heart and express themselves in the most beautiful ways that are relatable to their audiences, it elevates the experience of the listeners and the integrity of the artists. However, the heart and its emotions can be deceiving sometimes, and doing things for the sake of influence through beautification is problematic on its own. There are many artists who do things from the heart, but their hearts are not always in the right place, and it shows through their works. So art, for art's sake, is not always a reliable choice, for the matter. Poe's essay may be a beautiful protest for the restoration of artist integrity and aesthetics, 
believe me, I understand how important these things are to an extent. But my concern is how this way of thinking truly plays out in one's real life, especially in their endeavors and perceptions. Like any other work of art, literature mirrors society. When we stare at a piece, read a book or a poem, listen to a song, look at the latest fattest trends, fashion trends, and beauty trends, these things reflect our mindset and values as a society because there is something about these very works of art that we accept or reject. This is actually the point of my podcast. I'm not just here to study literature and historical written works of art just for fun. It is fun. It is. Um, But my concern is what we have accepted as a society for so long that has allowed these forms of art to continually have a foothold in our constantly modernizing culture. We should be careful about beautifying every aspect of our lives. We should also be careful about how we present such perceptions in our media. Back then, literature was an influential form of media that connected, united, and even divided an audience. Today, social media is our media. (laughs) We see the heavy use of aestheticism, the art for art's sake. So maybe in today's culture that it almost comes across as narcissistic in the sense of being unaware of the impact on impressionable minds and the consequences of exploiting aesthetics for the sake of subjective experience or personal gain. But Poe clearly meant well in his essay, and he was only trying to guide the still-developing phases of American literature, which I can agree needed much more help, and we will get into that later on in future episodes. But the art for art's sake ideology can be quite misleading because if not careful, the habits this movement promotes will create unrealistic expectations. This is something we already struggle with today as a society. Your eyes, your ears, and your heart are vulnerable doorways to your mind and your soul. What we accept in our media has a heavy impact on us over time. The sad thing about this is that we often don't realize the impact on us until the damage is already done. I'm not saying you cannot allow the joy of art and beauty in your life. If taken in healthy doses, with clear lenses and realistic expectations, I believe that the enjoyment Paul speaks of in his essay would be, you know, almost like kind of medicating. (laughs) So that is the thought I want to leave you with today. But thank you so much for your engagement. If you found today's discussion intriguing, don't forget to subscribe and stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok, both tagged at Elliot Taylor Notes. Your support keeps the podcast going. Our expectation into the balance of aesthetics and substance has been reflective. As we navigate the realms of beauty and meaning, 
I encourage you to reflect on how these concepts shape your own experiences. Feel free to share your thoughts in the comment section or on my social media platforms. I release new episodes on Tuesdays and I look forward to having you join me next time. Until we meet again, take care, stay curious, and I eagerly await our next conversation. Talk to you soon. Bye.